live and learn. Welcome to season two of our weekly conversations about living, learning, teaching, and intercultural communication. We discuss cultural awareness and diversity, education and mentality, and we never really know where our talk will bring us in each episode. So, we just follow our curiosity and invite you to join us. We are happy to present our today's guest. Elizabeth Peterson is a teacher, author, host of Retreats for Teachers, and founder of the Inspired Classroom, specializing in arts integration through social-emotional artistic learning. We talk about teacher self-care, the importance of a professional tribe and networking, both offline and online, Elizabeth shares her amazing enthusiasm and charisma, as well as her love for students and teachers. Please check out the show notes for links to her website and Facebook group. That's a really important part of becoming self-aware. I love teachers. I think we do amazing things and I want you to make sure that you're treated that way. <laughs> you just have to have that mind, that open mind to make it work, to be able to see those things. There is a big difference between resources and, you know, kind of like that mindset thing. You know, we teachers, we love what we do. <laughs> we love our students. We want them to succeed. Elizabeth, hi, happy hi. to have you here with us on Live and Learn. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's great to be here with you too. Uh, we've been connecting over Facebook for a while now, so it's terrific to see you and to be able to talk to you both. And so to begin with, uh, would you please introduce yourself so our listeners know who we have here with us? Absolutely. So I am a upper elementary teacher in Massachusetts in the U.S., also the host of The Inspired Classroom, which is a website dedicated to helping teachers with arts integration and SEAL, social-emotional artistic learning. And I just love working with teachers. I've been teaching for, this is my 22nd year teaching. I've been in elementary and also I spent seven years teaching music to middle schoolers. I really enjoyed that as well. And um, yeah, for the, about the last 15 or so years, I've been giving workshops and eventually uh, hosting retreats and doing some online courses for teachers that just focus on arts integration, because that is something that I've been doing my entire career, which has been really nice, starting with music, <laughs> because that's part of my background. And um, yeah, and then most recently, I've been focusing in on the social emotional aspect of how we can integrate the arts, because that's just such a needed thing with all of our students in education right now. So could you tell a bit more about it? So as a music teacher, do you teach an instrument or is it theory of music? What is it? Oh, excellent. Yeah. So 
When I was teaching music, I did general music. So theory, appreciation, history to sixth, seventh graders. And then I also did chorus for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And then on the side, ever since I was 15 years old, I started teaching private piano lessons. <laughs> I did that all the way up until about maybe 10 or so years ago. Yeah, so I'm a pianist, so I do have an instrument, but that was kind of like a on the side thing in my house, which was kind of nice. And so now still uh, you aren't teaching piano, but you're trying to integrate uh, music and art in general into secondary education. Yeah. Yes. So yes, it started with music because that was what I was most comfortable with. And it just lent itself so nicely to writing and different projects and just getting the kids to be exposed to different music, even if I wasn't their music teacher, like when I was teaching just the general classroom. And then I expanded into the various art forms as I got a little bit more comfortable. I would take classes, I got my master's and eventually my CAGS degree in arts integration. And so you don't necessarily become a masterful artist in all the art forms, but you become more comfortable with it and you allow your students to utilize it in, in various ways. And I think that is really the key to being a true arts integrator. Wow, it sounds so, so intriguing and so engaging. However, when I first <laughs> met you online, you were doing the uh, Facebook group for teachers supporting teachers and taking care of emotional intelligence and emotional stability in a very, mm. very ruffling period when the lockdown started. How come that art integration happened to be hand in hand with uh, taking care of what teachers feel? That is such a good question because they do go hand in hand, but it, I don't think a lot of people truly realize that it's it's like an experience that I wish a lot more people would be able to have and that is you know creating something whether it's art or listening to music you know just being just listening to music can be such therapy teachers for decades <laughs> have just needed to have that sense of teacher self-care and I think in the last decade or so, that's become much more apparent with um, teachers having so much stress put upon them, so many demands put upon them. The students are literally changing in front of us. Their needs are changing, so therefore our job is changing. And it's a, a lot of the things that we need to do, we we're not prepared for. <laughs> you know, it wasn't what we truly went to school for. We went to school for um, instructional strategies and, you know, the best educational practices to get kids to read, write, do math, you know, learn history and do all these great things. But that's not the first thing that our students need. The first thing our students need is a foundation of support, the feeling of be, having a relationship with their peers and their teacher. And when they're coming to us with, um, without that sense, then that becomes our first job. But that also takes a huge toll on us 
not just because we're not necessarily prepared for that in the first place, but because we're seeing so much. You know, we teachers, we love what we do. <laughs> we love our students. We want them to succeed. And so when we're seeing this, it's very frustrating and it wears on teachers' um, emotions. And so there's certainly that need to build teachers up. Through the group, the Inspiring Teachers group, you can see that teachers are caring. They're professionals. They want to do well by their students, but they also just need so much um, support. And I think that the best support a teacher can get is from other teachers. <laughs> yeah, that's why the group is um, becoming so good. I, th I think it's becoming a really good place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, because uh, there are so many groups uh, around, and you probably also follow lots of them. Absolutely. Happening on the groups, uh, they become mostly a place of exchanging resource, and there are loads of resource yeah. around. And this is not what teachers really need. So the question here would be: How did you? find this real need the teachers have for self-care against burnout and not so much looking for resource. How did you get this point? Because you really got the point. Oh, thank you. You know, I think it kind of just like evolved. Part of it is, I know that's what I needed, you know, and I actually, I thrive from being with and talking to other teachers. And so it was just kind of like, I think it just kind of happened. I can give resources and, you know, I have lots of resources on my website and, and that kind of thing. And, and when I ask teachers, you know, what would you like? What kind of things do you want? And they're all oh, ideas and activities and that kind of thing. But they are drawn to the moral support. It's just like a draw. And it's almost like it's something that you may not realize you need, but it's really kind of nice to have. <laughs> that was really my question. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, how can you, how could you, how did you manage to feel this need? I think you probably answered, yeah. So, like, you were your ideal client, yeah. <laughs> so to say. You were your ideal group member. Yeah. And you followed your need, and so you could spot other teachers who also had the same need. It kind of evolved. Yeah, I didn't go out seeking, oh, I'm going to help teachers everywhere. You know, that's kind of what I wanted to do, but, <laughs> but um, I, I didn't realize that that would be it. Like you said, we are so inundated with activity, like with this whole remote teaching. So many of us are now remote teaching or hybrid, and so we have been inundated with all these tech resources and websites and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, I just need a moment to breathe and make some really good decisions here. There is a big difference between resources and, you know, kind of like that mindset thing. It's really interesting that in one of our episodes, we discussed the need of a professional tribe wherever you're teaching and uh, we discussed that when we, we when we worked together that was our department which had like 20 30 people and we could approach each other and provide support or care or i don't know sustainable 
empathy. Mm -hmm. Here in Germany, most of the teachers are freelancers. So basically, they are dealing with their own breakdowns by themselves. And uh, we have an association where we uh, do a lot of professional development, but also some kind of socializing and networking, even an occasional uh, beer on Friday helps so much to, you know, to release the stress, to get this vapor out. What's the situation uh, in Massachusetts and USA? How do you communicate within the real world, like before the corona lockdown? How is it organized? You bring up a really interesting point. So I know a lot of teachers, you know, you can't help but bond with certain colleagues. Um, and we certainly have outings. And I have some teacher friends. We like to go out and have a drink or go out and just, you know, only teachers can vent correctly with other teachers, <laughs> you know. But there's also... I'll kind of go here for a moment, but there's also this whole um, block, and you can tell me if you see this as well in, in Germany, where as much as teachers feel the need to take care of themselves, there's almost like a, a block, like they don't want it when they are in their professional development inside their own schools. So like if it's brought to them in their school, you know, oh, let's, let's gather together and we'll talk about, you know, such and such, or it's almost like it has to come organically, the, that self-care. So I think that's why maybe the Facebook group and other Facebook groups are so good for teachers because they are deciding to go to it. You know what I mean? That's why it's much more successful for teachers to be able to take care of themselves if they're deciding, oh, well, tonight, let's get together and, you know, have dinner together and just chat. That's successful because they're deciding to do that. And so it's, it can be really tricky. And I've often said, said this even about my own professional development when I give workshops or when I give retreats. I think they're so successful because uh, we're doing a lot of artistic creation and artistic work and, and self-care, but it's so successful because those teachers are choosing to come to it instead of me going into the schools, being invited by their, you know, the administration and going into the schools and saying, hey, today we're going <laughs> to create a piece of art about how we feel about something. There's a real big difference um, about, you know, almost inviting people to come to a place where they can feel safe and do that type of work for themselves. It's really interesting how uh, responsibility is connected with taking decisions. Because as you're saying, the administration creating the event, and then you think that that's a part of a job. That's a part of a job activity yeah. to be there. And sometimes you can be either punished for not being there or shamed or like, how to say, you know, almost trolled. Oh, we created that for you, but you didn't come and so on. You know, so many layers of putting pressure on such events. But when the teachers or I don't know, everybody, all the professional are choosing and making their own responsibility, oh, this is exactly what I need, or this is what I need, where can I get it? 
or this is where can I get it from A, B, C, D, E provider? What would be the best value for money, for time, for effort? What would be the best outcome? So we come to the critical thinking in that and being responsible for your own decisions and for your own actions. You said it much better than I did. <laughs> that was great. It's like pulling people to be part of something instead of creating a welcoming environment where people want to come. It's like organizing a party and saying, like, I'm organizing a party anyway. This is what we are going to do. Do you want to be part of it? If you pull people there and say, well, we are going to do a thing together. I'm like, why? That's so true. Yeah, people have to be ready. They have to be ready on their terms for that kind of, that kind of work. As a host of uh, retreats for teachers, what exactly do you do? Oh, yes. So, so I've been doing retreats for 10 years now. And um, up until this year, <laughs> they were all face-to-face. -face. And so it was, um, they're just so much fun. So it was a chance for teachers to get together. We did it for a span of days. So I, had a, uh, I have a summer retreat that is focused on arts integration and it's over the course of three days teachers get together we have long workshops where it's hands-on so it's not just getting ideas and saying great now we'll, we'll probably go try these <laughs> in our classrooms it's this is a project and we're gonna do it so it was teacher-centered professional development where teachers are doing the art project that's being presented. And so there was that summer retreat. And then a number of years ago, I started a SEAL retreat. So it was specifically focused on SEAL, social, emotional, artistic learning. And that became uh, an overnight retreat. So that was kind of a real fun thing too. We, uh, the projects that we did were focused in on the social emotional development through the arts. And then this past summer, <laughs> we had to go online. But you know what? It, it was different because we weren't face to face, but we were able to attract a lot more people from uh, across the country into Canada, um, which was really so great. I really worked hard to keep that sense of community so we had a community and to also keep it as a, a teacher-centered focus so the workshops even though they were on video were still very teacher-centered in that whatever was happening uh, whatever the idea was whatever the art project was there was time built in to actually do it while it was happening because I think that is the single most important thing for quality professional development is to give teachers the time to do it <laughs> so that they are more apt to bring that idea into their classroom and use it with their students. But was it anyway synchronic or asynchronic? So a little bit of both actually. So the three weeks leading up to the main event, <laughs> we had uh, a lot of community building within our retreater community. And we had, I was able to post up some bonus materials, some workshops and 
stuff like that. And so people were able to interact and engage on their own time, but it was um, kind of, you know, like a, like a Facebook group, but it was so highly engaged. I was very, very happy with um, how engaged people were. And then I cut it down to two mornings instead of, you know, three full days. <laughs> so for two mornings, we did uh, workshops for about three hours each day. And that was live with the workshops playing. So I would kind of link up the workshops in between and, and talk and there was a chat. So it kind of was like a, a webinar type of format. So people were there live, but it was also recorded so that people could access the workshops afterwards as well. Yeah, and after this experience of an online retreat, uh, how do you yeah. find this online, offline for you? Would you prefer to do a retreat offline anyway when there is an opportunity? Or did you find any bonus in this online form as well, apart from having more people reaching to you, more people? Yeah, I'm dreading <laughs> having to make that decision next summer <laughs> because it was so it, it was it was actually more successful and more rewarding than I thought it would be <laughs> to do the uh, online retreat. And there were, like you said, so many people that were able to participate. And so I think it would be a shame not to do something like that again. But on the other hand, we were we were uh, we had been growing the face-to-face uh, -face retreat over the course of the 10 years. So I started in the library of my school the very first year and then eventually moved out of a school because I didn't want to be in a school for this retreat. And then uh, we moved from a couple different places, but where we had ended up for the last couple of years was in a conference hall right across the street from the ocean. And so it provided just such a wonderful location. And in the um, afternoons of each day, we would have drumming circles and we brought that over to the beach and we attracted people to come and play and dance with us. It was so great. You can't replace that either. I have some big decisions coming up. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. And if any of my retreaters are listening, they're going to say, you have to do both. You have to do both. So we'll see. I just want to ask you one thing. What you're saying sounds like, like a summer camp for teens. No? Yeah. That is what uh, I said uh, in a global change days when we had our, when it finished and we had our feedback. And they said, guys, this is just like summer camp but within one profession more or less but everybody gets attention everybody gets uh, crazy everybody starts dancing <laughs> uh the vibes feeling the atmosphere being in a safe environment and still able to create their creativity you know <laughs> to, to yeah and whenever you're boarding somewhere right so you're not sleeping at home or you're not being there so you're totally involved there is so much other opportunities for quality socializing so tell us um, have you had this experience when you were a kid is this something that you're missing oh interesting it's funny i didn't go to a ton of camps when i was a kid because my mom was a teacher and so i had the <laughs> 
had the luxury of not having to go to a camp. And I, as a, an only child, I took care of myself very well. So I would occupy my time with all kinds of things taping music off the radio, making playlists, you know, doing all kinds of stuff and then playing with my friends or what have you. That's interesting. I think, but here's one thing that I always did as a kid growing up. I had massive sleepovers, a lot. (laughs) And I love a good sleepover. So when I was looking into doing something in the wintertime, which is where the SEAL retreat fit in really nicely. And I had the chance to find a place that would take us as an overnight. I thought, well, this is the ultimate sleepover for teachers. (laughs) And it truly was. It truly is. We create, we do so many fun things. We get to know each other and Some people stay up till one, two in the morning. We just chat. We're doing um, midnight workshops. It's really, really just um, a a great time. (laughs) So yeah, I guess in the long run, it is kind of recreating some of those fun sleepover memories. I think this is the ultimate thing what we're missing and what we really want to get to when we're getting older not to miss all this fun of having the childhood or teenage or something yeah the more responsibilities we get the more routine we get we sometimes forget how fun it is to have the whole night drumming in front of the sea or ocean with the fires on and the music and you know just releasing completely all the boundaries from your head first and then you're in, in a company with people who are, who most probably won't know you in like in, in two years time. So you don't like perfect strangers, but still you connect as much as you want to, like a per- perfect getaway. Yeah. And I will say that um, some of the relationships that are made during these retreats carry on. And it's like the ultimate nice feeling for me to see friends on Facebook that I've made from the retreats and see that they are also friends with other people that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten to know, but they are now friends and they're liking each other's pictures and they're commenting and supporting each other. And it's just such a nice, a nice feeling of uh, an extended community. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we are continuing our podcast with Elizabeth Peterson, who is the not only inventor of the Inspired Classroom, but also the inventor of the SEAL. Did you, did you come up with this idea by yourself? You have a group of people who created this? No, this is just me. Yeah, I created SEAL. And it kind of, again, came out uh, naturally <laughs> because... Uh, it was a, probably about four or five years ago when SEL, social emotional learning, was uh, starting to become a, a, a phrase that was really being used in education. And I'll never forget in August when all the teachers were gathered in the auditorium of my school district, the administrator or the presenter at the time was talking about how we were going to start incorporating social emotional learning into everything that we did. 
and she stood up there and she was telling us about what each of the social emotional competencies were. And she started talking about self-awareness and then self-management and social awareness and responsible decision-making and relationship skills. And with everything that she said, all I could think of as I was sitting there is, well, you can do that with the arts. You want relationship skills? Have a drumming circle. You want to be more self-aware? Well, create some art and then reflect upon it. Um, and you want to, you know, be socially aware? Well, then talk to each other about your artwork or go out and um, explore different artists and find out what they're doing and why they're doing it and see other cultures and, you know, all, all this stuff. And I was just like, my mind was going, this is crazy. <laughs> There's so much we can do with this. And so that school year, I just started incorporating arts integration in different ways that was really focusing in on some of those social emotional skills and the uh, responses that I was getting from my then fourth graders was incredible. And they were working together differently and they were discovering things about themselves through the art that they were doing and creating and appreciating. And it was just such a natural combination. So I started um, thinking, okay, I think, I think we've got something here. <laughs> I think we really need to develop this into something. And so I started playing around with the whole social emotional learning and inserting the arts. And that's where Seal came and played around with the logo a little bit and just kind of had fun with that. And it was my own creation in my own chance to do some creation in my own way, <laughs> which was kind of fun. And uh, yeah, just kind of kept on moving along with that. Uh, introduced the idea to some of my teacher friends, uh, made that uh, winter retreat that focused in on this. And the response from teachers was just so good because, you know, when you, when you get it, you get it and you know it works. And so you want to, you want to do it. <laughs> If, uh, if I get it right, you started integrating this into your classroom, yeah? Yes. And you shared it with other teachers, which was kind of creating a community around it. And then it went on and it got back to you as uh, appreciation of other colleagues uh, who said, yeah, it works. And then it led you to having a retreat around this topic as well. Yeah, is yeah. That the circle more or less. Yes, and then it just kept on branching. So I started writing about it and making the connections and um, putting it on the website, kind of testing it out a little bit. And again, the response was just so good that um, I was like, okay, well, we're just going to keep on going. <laughs> and then do you still, um, like, do you continue working with uh, kids integrating this uh, technique of yours? Yes. Currently, I'm teaching third grade. Yeah. So for the last, I don't know, five or so years, I've been doing a lot of the SEAL strategies and lessons with my students throughout the year. And, you know, every year, every year, you get a new group of students with various needs. Some change, some, some of the same. <laughs> and um, what I love about um, SEAL is that the ideas are so flexible because the, because the whole idea of SEAL really focuses in on the teacher first, 
because the teacher is going to be the best person to help students' social-emotional learning. And so when I started to really frame SEAL out and make it into something that teachers could systematically learn about and start implementing into their teaching, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be another program and it wasn't going to be something that you lay on top of everything else that you're doing <laughs> because no teacher needs that. So instead, it's, um, it really does just kind of tweak and transform what you're already doing. And it's so flexible that it works for teachers, regardless if they're in elementary or high school. I've had high school teachers um, go through the SEAL teacher training. I've had um, art teachers and music teachers. It's just regardless, it works <laughs> because you are just embedding different SEAL strategies. You're working on your own mindset and you're making things work for whatever your schedule is too. So again, it's not a program because I've done, I've done social emotional programs before, right? Where you, you go lesson by lesson and you make sure you talk about and And it's great information, but it's more, more or less good information for me <laughs> so that I can understand more about social emotional development. But then having it become an artistic experience for my students is really what's going to make a difference for them. So you can get to it from theinspiredclassroom.com, but I also have a uh, website specifically for SEAL. It's teachseal.com. And so on that website, there are a number of free resources you can download. Also, I just finished a free workshop in the three secrets to integrating the arts with social emotional learning. And it kind of just takes you through some of the basics and gives some ideas specifically right now uh, it, online <laughs> and how you can do it, whether you're face-to-face -face or remotely teaching. What does live and learn mean to you? How do you live and learn? Oh, goodness. Well, <laughs> every day brings new ideas and certainly new challenges, especially right now. And um, yeah, you just have to um, kind of go at whatever is in front of you. I think that's the living part, right? In that whole idea of being in the present and making the best of what your challenge is or your, or your opportunity is right here in the moment. And then moving forward and always learning from it. You know, this there's, all, there's all obviously that huge push for growth mindset. And I think live and learn is a great alternative way to think of that growth mindset. Because if you don't make the best of what's in front of you and learn from it, good and bad, to move forward, then you're just, um, you're not living. <laughs> you're not doing the best with what you've got. That would be my take on that. <laughs> that is exactly the idea that is behind our podcast. Does it correlate with SEAL, with the art in the classroom, this live and learn idea, this uh, growth mindset? How do you introduce SEAL ideas into... Can you see that students sometimes may be uh, not as curious or not that engaged or maybe a little bit... Uh, 
frustrated with the art? Why am I supposed to do something? Or how how do you develop a growth mindset in such? In terms of uh, working with seal, yeah. So yeah, so it's almost like two different ways to look at that because there are some students, like you said, who will resist the idea of um, creating art or listening to music in the classroom or what have you. And then there's also the whole idea of how seal actually, when you, when you're doing it, it helps with. <laughs> the growth mindset. It helps with resilience for sure. And so there are many students who will resist. I'll, I'll speak specifically to dance and movement. Dance and movement is a very a difficult art form to integrate into your classroom, especially as the students get older. And so just taking it in really small, small steps. And this is what I think is so great about seal is that it trusts the teacher to know their students and their age group and what's age appropriate you knowing what your students uh where they're coming from you can start them off really small and really simply whether that means simple materials or it means simple movements like uh instead of asking students to go across the room in some amazing dance <laughs> to get them to move just have them stand up and just have them get up so that they're getting used to the idea of, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stand and maybe I'll move. And there's always the students, well, not always, but there's often a student or two who's just, you know, I'm not going to do that. Or with drama, that's another art form that's really a little bit more difficult because it's kind of foreign to many, to many people, but just giving them that opportunity to start really small and then keep it consistent. That's the other really important trick is to not just say, oh, well, half of my kids didn't even stand up. So I guess I'm not going to do that again. That's the wrong mindset. <laughs> that's not growth mindset. That's saying, oh, well, okay. Uh, that's not living and learning from <laughs> what's happening in front of you, right? Instead, you keep it consistent. What's really cool is that you become known as the teacher who's going to do this. And you also need to explicitly tell the students why you're doing this get them involved and get them to understand why it is you're doing what you're doing and those are some really important components to seal which makes it so much more different than you know just i'm going to integrate the arts with social emotional learning <laughs> no there's there's a true method to making it successful but do you actually analyze with them uh, where there was resilience, where there was emotional awareness, and so on? Do you pronounce these words to the students? Do you do this matter learning? Absolutely, yeah. Even even at young ages, it's I think very important for them to understand. That's a a, a key component to getting your students to truly uh, learn what social emotional development is, is to use those words. So doing things like if I'm asking you to listen to music and I really want you to listen in for the different instrumentations and I want you to understand how it makes you feel, that's a really important part of becoming self-aware because the more self-aware you are, the more you understand how your body reacts to certain things, the more you can help yourself to control that when you need to. And so telling the kids that is really, that explicit teaching is just such an important part of 
seal for sure. That leads me to that second thing, which is how SEAL activities and lessons and strategies can just really help develop students' growth mindset uh, as they're learning about themselves and learning about how things affect them, and then discovering ways that they can actually utilize the arts to even change their mood or help them get out of something. Maybe you have seen teachers giving kids stress balls. Here, take this. Well, why? (laughs) You know, giving them the opportunity to understand why, whether it's in the moment or even afterwards, you know, because in the moment, the kids might not be ready to talk about it. But, you know, you've got to have some, uh, get a good feel of what your students need and, and be able to give them the respect almost to help them to understand why, why it is that they're that you're asking them to do certain things. You know, it made me think that everything you have just said is so applicable to teachers. And the more the teachers are, the more they will be resistant saying, why am I supposed to do this? How, how is this going to help? And what arts? I'm sorry, I have so many things to do for tomorrow. How is this all happening in your retreats? Is this kind of only the people who are ready and know it? Or what, what happens when the adults and grown-up professionals come? And what, what's the experience there? A lot of teachers will come kind of with that basic understanding that they're going to get something out of it. But you're right. Where people start to realize the true power of the arts is when they're put into an uncomfortable situation. For example, if I have art teachers, visual art teachers coming to a retreat, and when we do a visual art project, I mean, they just, they shine, they're doing amazing things. But then if we move into a music activity, it's like, they're maybe a little bit more (laughs) uncomfortable but bringing them through that process and explaining what's happening. And on top of that, also explaining how you can use this with your students. You know, teachers are very smart. (laughs) They're very, um, they're like constantly thinking, oh, how can I use this with my kids? How can I use this with my kids? So you could have a pre-K teacher and a 12th grade English teacher, both doing the same experience but they're applying it to their own kids and that's what i think is so fantastic about arts integration is that it just naturally differentiates itself to everything and everyone you just have to have that mind that open mind to make it work to be able to see those things yeah and what you're saying uh, brings us back to one of your quotes so correct me oh. if uh, <laughs> you it right that it was like you have to get inspired in order to be inspiring yeah as a teacher yes what do you mean by saying that and how does it work how do you see it work yeah so i took that that became the motto of the entire entity get inspired and be inspiring because um, I truly believe that uh, professional development and our, our own experiences need to, to um, be teacher centered first. And the word get has like that active feel to it. So you have to go out and find the professional development that's going to get you inspired because if you wait for it to happen from your district, 
you might be waiting a long time. Every once in a while, you get a good one. But most of the time, teachers are seeking out <laughs> the professional development that's truly going to get them inspired. And um, once you've done that, it just lights a fire in your belly that you want to share that with your students or your other colleagues and you want to be inspiring to them. It's kind of like a, a little bit of a, a cycle, if you will, where you go out, you get yourself inspired <laughs> and then you can go off and be inspiring to the others. Yeah, that is the job that you are doing with your Facebook uh, group. Um, do you have any kind of a specific strategy how to do it? Where did you learn to inspire teachers? <laughs> and um, what do you feel out of it? I don't know if there's a real strategy to it, except um, when I started developing the workshops and then the retreats, I just wanted teachers to feel like professionals. I wanted them to have the experiences. It was just that genuine, I want you to enjoy yourself while you're here learning. And, and then there was the little things like, I don't want you to think about lunch. I'm going to give you lunch. I'm going to give you coffee when you come in. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give you comfy chairs. You know, I want you to be treated like the professional that you are. And so I think that that is rare in education. And so that, that I guess is part of the strategy, but it really came out of that genuine, I love teachers. I think we do amazing things and I want to make sure that you're treated that way. Yeah. Being treated that way also with the basic belief that you're working and communicating with professionals. Yeah, everyone who is in this job has already started, has already started their careers, has already done something and is continuing to do so. One important thing that uh, people really lack is this uh, perception of them as of equal, absolutely valid professionals. So and true. this is something people so rarely have at schools, at universities, and at any level of uh, this educational ladder. Like everywhere is the same. Overseas is the same. Mm -hmm. And it's so amazing to feel that and to know that, that basically we're all humans. We all need the same things. We all need to be appreciated. We all need to be valued for what we do, for what we bring into the classroom and so rarely do we have this feedback also from colleagues who would say you're welcome here i'm here for you <laughs> i'm here with you so so valuable during the lockdown your questions in the beginning of the week and in the, during the week and in the end of the week, guys, how are you doing? What are you? What do you want to achieve? How are you? How's everything? What's your favorite ice cream? How are you keeping up? How are you doing? What actually did you manage to achieve? What are you proud of? They somehow supported me so much within my way because. This is a transformation period. We are transforming our, all our classes. We are transforming our 
friendships, our supporting, or our communication with the world. And somehow you chose such a fantastic tone and register, not to be invasive, not to be curating. I felt that you're so genuine in asking. And what I was most impressed is how many people actually respond and listen to each other and start commenting one on another. Could you share how did you choose this tone? How did you choose what to ask, what to, how to approach? Did you expect such a, in my understanding, big response? Well, first of all, thank you, Yulia. <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very sweet compliment. I'm happy that that was very helpful for you. It's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, really. When that group really started picking up was back in March, when I found myself with a little extra time. So I could put a little extra time into the group, and I just started creating posts uh, for the week and I would schedule them out for the week and I would just say okay well you know let's just ask questions and see if people will answer them and you're right I was I was actually very surprised at how many people were answering them and it's I think it kind of started more or less with that Monday you know what what do you want to do this week and then the friday check in how did your week go and what i was what i noticed was that a, a lot of the same people would go in and write down and type in you know what what are they looking forward to and then they would legit go back and see what they wrote <laughs> and check in on themselves on friday i had been doing that with myself in writing um for not a huge amount of time but but for, for maybe a few weeks ahead of that, and I thought, this is such a helpful thing. So that's why I threw that out there into the group and um, hoping that maybe, you know, maybe it will be helpful for someone else. And I was really surprised and pleased that it was. Even if it's for a small handful of people, I think it's worth it. And again, with the whole idea, like I said, with, you know, SEAL, just being consistent. So um, I've had a couple people actually message me and say, I look forward to that Monday check-in. I said, okay, well, then we're going to make sure that happens all the time. I just thought we'd have some fun and just kind of get to know each other. It's fun. It just kind of gets people talking. And um, I think that it gets people to end up starting to know each other a little bit, even online. And so it's just a testament to... You can build relationships online, and I and I hope that our teachers start to truly understand that there is a way for us to make that happen, even if we are teaching online. And again, if you're experiencing it, the inspiring teachers group or whatever it might be, then you can. Uh, it's that so, same same concept of you know get inspired. Do you see that people are connecting online, people that have never met face-to-face? -face? And it is possible to do that with your own students as well. We always seek relationship and we do everything. We use all the means in order to get this relationship. Mm -hmm. and yeah, it can work. That's so true. I remember a number of years ago, 14, 15 years ago, I was extremely active on Twitter. And I made 
a lot of Twitter friends that I actually not necessarily keep in contact with, but I mean, a few weeks ago, I just tweeted a couple of them and it was like a quick reunion. <laughs> you know, you can, you know, you find people that you have things in common with and you can, you can really truly make some good connections through online conversations and sharing of things online. So it's, there's something to be said about it. <laughs> Elizabeth, what do you believe our listeners need to know more about your activity, about your life motto? Whatever you believe is worth knowing. Certainly, I would encourage people to check out SEAL and see if it's something that will, will work for them and that they're interested in. I would, I would love to you know, invite more people into learning more about that because it really has transformed many teachers not just myself, <laughs> but other teachers as well. And I think that that kind of brings to um, the whole idea of that, that teachers kind of really need to maybe work at it a little bit, but to find their own people, to find their, you know, find their tribe. That seems to be like a thing nowadays, right? But it it is true, as cliche as that may sound, you do need to kind of search out and find your people. And sometimes that's going to be in your school. And if it is, that's awesome because then you have more opportunities to hang out and do things together. And, but you know, this online world truly does open up the entire world to you and you can go out and you can find the people who share your interests, share your priorities and your ideals. And, um, just, kind of be like a little safe haven to collaborate with or to find some support or encouragement or a laugh <laughs> whenever it is that you need it. And I think that that's really an important part of teacher self-care. Another piece of that is to almost start backing away from things that are not helping you. So if that's negative people or negative colleagues, or negative Facebook groups, whatever it might be, you have the control to shut those off and to walk away and to put your focus in on the things that are going to actually be a positive influence for you. And I think that, you know, we, we have to be, myself included, when I say these things, I talk to myself too. We have to be reminded of these things every so often. I think that's part of my own need to get online and say these things, whether it's on my YouTube channel or, uh, you know, on the Facebook group or whatever it might be. It's that we all need these constant reminders to um, take care of ourselves in these little ways that make such a big difference. We're so, so happy to have you <laughs> because um, we agreed and we asked you out. <laughs> <laughs> With the idea that you do seem like a very approachable person, but also <laughs> very enthusiastic and interesting. And we really, I don't know, I, when most probably in late April, I found myself that I normally do not comment on too many 
pose to those who I don't know. But when I understood that, oh, somebody takes care of all of us and gives me the idea to think about myself. So most probably this is the person who needs to be presented to uh, the world as a person who... A person who cares, a person <laughs> who, yeah, who knows uh, something about self-care, and especially for teachers who are a helping profession and uh, mm. tend not to care about themselves paradoxically or not. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, but the question is that the teachers go to teachers for professional development. And this is what stroke as, as something that we want to share with a broader world is that it's not the only thing that uh, more sane, more professional, more resourceful and more mindful about what we are doing and who are we doing it for and how much effort does it cost you know to deliver so thank you very much it was a fantastic talk and i'm so happy to see your face to see your eyes <laughs> and to meet you electronically Yes, but after the uh, after you mentioned this retreat uh, on the ocean side, <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't know. We need to get uh, to know each other better. Yes, I think I think you both definitely need to come. And I appreciate you, ladies, inviting me to your podcast, which is just so wonderful in and of itself. And I love the work that you're both doing. And that, you know, the relationship that you two have is just fantastic. So it's wonderful to come and see you both. So thank you, Yulia. And thank you, Ina, very much for uh, having you. me talk with you. <laughs> thank you, Elizabeth, so much for being here with us. Thank you. Curious about what we discussed next? Please subscribe to Live and Learn podcast and join our community on social networks. Live and Learn.